Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. Good morning, and hey, thanks to the golf guys. Great show, guys. They're just packing up. We get like 13 seconds for them to leave the microphone so I can get behind it. We get organized, but they're really they're really accommodating. They're not only great at golf, but they're great at accommodating. You know, Jerry, while you're standing here, you remember what I've told you about golf, right? Fishermen love golf. It keeps the unworthy off the water. And we're just the same thing with you on the golf course. Uh, <laughs> we, we appreciate you, Terry, but uh, stay over there at the pond, will you? You know, I could be the third best golfer in the United States history because I've never finished less than fifth place in a major tournament. Well, I know you shot 59 every time you go out. Sometimes it's the third hole. Sometimes it's the 12th <laughs> hole. Well, I never count past six anyway. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jerry. That great show. And we're going to talk some outdoors. Today. Beautiful spring day in the Rockies out there today. Isn't it just wonderful and amazing? But we're going to, we got a lot to cover. You know, the weather is going to get better. It's going to get better, and in fact, it's going to get better earlier this week, and this moisture is really going to help us, uh, especially out in the eastern plains. Uh, the farmers won't need to draw water as quick. This will be great for the upland game habitat, and just keep our reservoirs full. We've had great uh, capacity levels in our reservoirs the last couple of years, and so we can handle a little bit of uh, it, of being down but we want to keep everything going because it keeps the recreation going. It keeps the economy going. It's good for all of us. But we're going to talk some fly fishing today. We're going to talk some hunting today. We're going to talk some just uh, conventional fishing. We're going to talk some turkey hunting. And we're going to talk about a special group uh, that uh, takes care of some veterans, uh, uh, military veterans, which is very, very touching. That'll be coming up later in the show. Also, remember to follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook because we are going to be um, having several contests. One is about uh, an ice fishing trip with Nate Zielinski and me. You can learn how to win that, and we'll tell you more about that during the show too. The other is we give away, uh, we're doing a trivia. It's our 20 years on the air, so we're giving away, uh, we're giving away some, um, some really nice prizes. We're going to have more. Every week we give away every every week every month we're giving away a ninety nine dollar value package of honey smoked fish uh, smoked salmon that gets delivered right to your door. But in order to win those contests, we're going to be giving out trivia questions from our twenty years on the air, part of the celebration of twenty years. And Karen posts tidbits of trivia from twenty years of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. So if you want to be eligible to win, you got to follow us on Facebook and like us on Facebook because that's the only way you're going to find the answers to a lot of these questions. Hey, let's go right to the phones now, though, because I want to start talking some fishing. A great friend and a great contributor to the show um, from Kirk's Fly Shop up in Estes. We have Kirk Bean. Good morning, Kirk. How's the weather up there? Did you guys get much of this? Yeah, I think we got around five inches, so it's not bad. No, you know, and um, the other thing, Kirk, is that uh, the runoff really hasn't started, so this moisture doesn't do too much to affect the fishing, does it? No, no, this is this is great. We need it. Yeah. So how is the fishing been up where you guys are at? Now, just for people that don't know, Kirk's is located up in Estes Park. Um, you've seen them on my television shows many, many times, and they've 
fish the Big Thompson, the Colorado, the St. Verain, and of course Rocky Mountain National Park, and probably some other waters. But let's start with the Big Thompson, Kirk. What's going on there? Uh, the Thompson has been kind of low all season here. It was only around 30 CFS, but they just bumped it up to 60 CFS earlier this week. So that's uh, really improved the fishing. I understand that, you know, I know everybody that lives in the north area knows that the the road from Loveland up to Estes is closed. You can still get through the Lions and up, and it's not much different even for us up north, only about 15 minutes, but that's the way people from Denver would come up anyway. But because you can't get up, they've been you can been fishing from Estes Dam on down, and I understand they've extended that and opened up some fishing terrain. Yeah, yeah, so you can get down from the... The mouth of the canyon from uh, on down 34, you can go about six miles down the canyon now. And uh, so a lot of good fishable water down in there right now. And a lot of people think the road's closed, so it's kind of a kind of a quiet place down there right now. No cars driving down. Well, that's, that's nice. And, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, right after the floods, it destroyed that road. The fishing up in the north end of the river or the north end up as far as you could to Estes Park Dam was probably as be- the best it's ever been. A lot of fish got pushed up there. But I understand as they rebuild the road, they're also rebuilding the riverbed and the habitat. And the fish are moving, and they are there's fish now distributed throughout the areas they've worked on. Right, yeah. They've uh, they've worked in the river in a few spots. And right now the fish haven't really come back in those areas that they worked in the river. But uh, above and below those areas that they worked, all those fish kind of moved down or moved up. So it's loaded with fish in those areas for sure. So if you were going to fish that upper part of the Big Thompson there, what kind of techniques would you use? Uh, it's mostly nymph fishing right now. We are getting some good blue-wing olive hatches too, like closer to the dam. Um, but mostly you're going to use little little mayflies, pheasant tails, pheasant tail nymphs, little stonefly nymphs, um, trailing them with little midgy mergers or RS2s. All right. And, of course, you know, people, if you want to go up there and learn that river, Kirk's does do guide trips, and you don't need much notice, do you, Kirk, to book about a guide trip? No, no. We can normally get you in. Uh, if you give us a day's notice, we can get you in. Sometimes even day of, we can get you in. And you fish that, and you fish some other waters, too. What about the park? Now, I imagine they got some snow up in the park now, but what was the condition before this, and what does it look like over the next couple of weeks? Are you seeing the fishing open up in the, in the Rocky Mountain National Park? Yeah, most of the streams are open right now, um, are ice-free, so like the Upper Big T, St. Brain, uh, mainly the Upper Big T and Moraine Park has been the best, or along Fern Lake Trailhead there. Um, on a good, sunny, warm day, it fishes fantastic. On a cold, snowy day, it's pretty tricky. Yeah, it gets probably a little more selective. The water's still probably pretty cold up there on a cold day if you don't get any sun to warm it up, huh? Right. So it's a sunny day. You can get out there around. You don't have to get started too early, but around 11, it starts fishing pretty good. Well, people, you keep pretty good track of the park. If people wanted to uh, get an idea of what's going on, they can always call you or stop by the store on the way up. And we'll give all your contact information before we get off the air here. But you do fish some other waters. You mentioned the St. Verain. Are you fishing that outside of the park down too, or is that, or you haven't done much there yet? No, that has actually been really good um, early season this year, down kind of, down by Lyons, just up from Lyons. It's been fishing real well. And are you fishing that similar to the Big Thompson? Yeah, pretty much the exact same kind of rigs, the little little midges behind the little pheasant tails. Now, are the rainbows, are they spawning yet, or what's going on? Yeah, kind of right in the middle of it. Um, you'll see some rainbows along the edges spawning. <clears throat> they're pretty easy to pick out. What about, so there browns they're chasing eggs then, too? For sure, yeah. Egg fly patterns are working well, too. What about, sometimes this is the year, because time of the year, I don't have your talents in making those 
finesse presentations sometimes. So I'll, I'll just go the other way sometimes on these rivers this time of the year and throw a streamer, just try to get a reaction. Do you do any of that, or does that seem successful, or are they just not reacting to that yet? No, it, it's a good time of year for reaction strikes. So uh, in the spring, a lot of the aggressive male rainbows will hit hit bigger streamers that you that you're, you're putting out there, or the browns will. So it's a good time for that. What about, now I know you do some drifts on the Colorado. I don't know if that started yet. Where are we at with that? Yeah, I was just out there on Wednesday, did a float trip down the Colorado, and it's it's fishing great. It's still clear. Um, so mainly they're hitting uh, Pat's rubber legs, and uh, radiation betas worked really well for me, also RS2s. Picking up a lot of browns, or are you getting a mix? Uh, actually, a pretty good mix. Uh, mo- still mostly browns, though. You know, once in a while you go out there and... In the colder months, too, you you can pick up a bunch of um, whitefish. That can be fun, too. It is, yeah. Whitefish, you really put up a fight. Yeah, so we picked up some of those different times of the year, too. So what you mentioned, the water's still clear. Obviously, we haven't started runoff yet. It's been kind of a, a different... I think we say this every year. It's been kind of a different year. But we've had warm and cold and then then warm and then snow and then cold, and it's been kind of different. We didn't have as much snowpack to start with, but I understand up in the park area the snowpack is probably close to 100%. Is that right? It is. I think last I heard it was around 92%. So when do you expect the runoff to start? And I know this is like looking into a crystal ball, but when do you think the conditions will start changing? How much of this clear water fishing do you think we have yet? Uh, generally, it stays clear all the way through about mid-May, mid about through mid-May, and then it starts getting murky. Peak of runoff generally is the second week in June, so pretty pretty close to that every year. And we've got lots of time for that yet. And, of course, the Big Thompson is, is a tailwater, so it's a controlled flow, so it doesn't get as uh, as riled up as some of the other streams. Right. They, they tend to control it pretty good. It can be a lot higher coming into the lake, and and then they'll divert some water coming out of the lake. Now, I know it's a little ways away from you, and I don't know how much you fish it, but have you heard anything about the Pooter or any of the other rivers around? No, the Pooter's been fishing good, especially uh, down low towards Fort Collins. Uh, flows are still pretty low there for the Pooter. Okay. They're still fishing well. Now, you've got some other things you offer. First, let's talk about your shop a little bit. Um, you're loca- Tell people where the shop is located. Uh, we're right on Main Street, uh, 230 East Elkhorn Avenue, right across from Bond Park. And you're a full-service fly shop. Kind of tell people what they'll see if they walk in. Yeah, we kind of got a lot of everything. Um, but we got flies and uh, waders and all the gear that you need to go fishing. And, of course, you have your guide service, which you have a number of guides, and you fish most of the waters we talked about. And you said you can get a trip together pretty quickly because you have a number of experienced guides Uh you do other types of trips also, though. And, in fact, you and I have done, and people want to see some of these, they can go to my Facebook page and go or go to my YouTube channel, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. But you and I have taken horseback up to the Alpine Lakes. That's a ways away yet, I would think, this year before that will be available. And But and but we've, back, we've taken backpacks with llamas up the river up there. Um, but then you also do trips where people aren't fishing, don't you? Yeah, we do uh, day hikes up in the park. We're still doing a lot of snowshoeing trips at this time of year up in the park. Uh, lots of different options. A lot of overnight backpack trips where you don't have to fish if you don't want to. No, I know. And it's the park is such a beautiful... You know, Kirk, to me, um, the times I've fished the park, and I try to get up there as often as I can, you know, you've shown me that there's plenty of big fish, especially the Alpine Lakes and some of the rivers, 
But a lot of those streams up there are going to be full of little cutthroats and little brook trout. But you're sitting with a light, small fly rod in one of the most beautiful settings in the world and seeing these little fish come up and, and just suck in a fly. And it's just the essence of fly fishing to me. It is. They're real pretty fish, and you can just use uh, change your equipment to make those fish feel bigger. Yeah, and well, yeah, and, and it's fun, and it's beautiful, and it's just such a great place. It's one of my favorite all-time places. Kirk, why don't you tell people the best ways to get a hold of you and tell them where you're located again? Uh, so we're, our phone number is 970-577-0790. Uh, we're in Estes Park, right on Main Street, right across, right next to the Dairy Queen and across from Bond Park. And it's Kirk's, kirksflyshop.com. You have Facebook, too? We have a Facebook page, yeah. And like I said, folks, go to my YouTube channel. I think there's, I don't know how many how many TV shows have we done together. Quite a few. Oh, no, it's a lot, yeah. But a lot of them are on uh, my YouTube channel. You'll get to find out what a great uh, great people they are to work with and just how fun some of the fishing is in those areas. You and I have to maybe try to get on the water this year. It's been a while. It has. we got to go fishing. All right. Kirk, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Terry. You bet. That's Kirk Bean from Kirk's Fly Shop up in Estes. I'll tell you, great people and great fishing. You know, we don't we try to cover more fly fishing here, and I get distracted with other um, other topics sometimes. I love fly fishing, and we we love covering it. So we're going to try to work in more fly fishing. You know, we get some really good fly shops on. We get world class fly fishermen like Kirk Dieter and and uh, some of the guys you see around on the magazines and stuff. You just, we, Landon Mayer comes on, Pat Dorsey. We get a lot of great guys, and we just don't get them on often enough. We'll work a little harder for that because it is such a big part of the outdoor culture here in Colorado. Remember, we're going to do trivia for the rest of this year, and we've got some great prizes to get away, give away. And in order to be able to win, you're going to have to be able to order uh, to answer trivia questions. And the answer to those trivia questions are posted on our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors under tidbits of 20 years of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors as we celebrate 20 years of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on the radio. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you. <laughs> thank you. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Company Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We are going right to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Matt Schultz, and he is the forest manager. Now, Matt, I got to tell you, you must have the most cush, easiest job in the world because Mother Nature manages the forest. There's no human intervention either on the user side or the management side necessary, is there? Well, Terry, you know, it, it really takes a village. Um, <laughs> there, there's a lot of pressures from neighboring development and uh, things like invasive species or increasing vi- uh, visitation. So, yeah, we have to really uh, manage these areas carefully to ensure that the, the habitat stays healthy and we keep animals on the landscape for future generations. And of course, I was tongue-in-cheek, and management of our resources is such an important part of what Colorado Parks and Wildlife does. By the way, kudos to everybody that doesn't know, the funding bill and the ANS bill were both passed through the legislature. We just need Governor Hickenlooper to sign those, and we'll talk more about those later, but that's got to be exciting for everybody down at Parks and Wildlife. Absolutely, yeah. uh, We're very excited to, to 
uh, received that news. Yeah. Now, anyway, um, obviously, habitat management and the, all the pressures that come on it. You mentioned development. There's there's oil and gas, and we need progress. People are going to build homes. We need energy, but we have to balance that. We've got landowners that are farmers, and that and the habitat for wildlife. And you know, we can kid a little bit that habitat management. Um, you know, people think the only way you manage wild game and even the plants and birds and things are through licenses and seasons and restrictions. But really, one of the best things to maintain an outdoor environment that's conducive not only to the wild animals and the plants, but to the people is through good stewardship management, isn't it? It is. Yes. And, and uh, you know, we have a pretty small staff with uh, Parks and Wildlife that, that's focused on this um, for state parks. And um, that's where we have started to, uh, you know, use other ideas like um, engaging citizen scientists through um, different different avenues. And, and one of those avenues that I'm here to talk about today is the uh, iNaturalist app. And, and so this is a smartphone app that um, anybody can download for free, and it allows you to, uh, you know, log observations um, of wildlife or plants with your phone. And it, so it uses your phone's camera and then the, uh, the GPS in the camera. Um, and then those, and then once you load that observation up, um, it goes to the, to the cloud where then uh, us as land managers or scientists or even other park visitors um, can, can see what um, you've seen and, and gain a little bit better understanding about what species are in the area and, uh, and when they're there and some things like that. Well, a couple of things it accomplishes. One is that it kind of documents, and this helps you guys document and record both plant and animal species that are out there and, and kind of, you know, start building a catalog of what you do see in other areas. But the other thing it does too is that there's a lot of people that aren't going to be able to identify every plant or even every animal. Well, they can take a picture of something and, and you'll, the whole community on that app between the scientists, the foresters, and the users are going to help you identify that. Is that right? Yeah. They, so INAT has a, a pretty cool platform for uh, crowd, you know, like you like you talked about crowdsourcing identification. So um, you can post it up as, hey, this is a it's a bird. I don't know any more than that. And then um, other people that that might know more about that particular species can get on and and make the identifications. And then we've also um, for state parks have built park specific guides so that um, you can click on. Uh, the bird guide for uh, whatever state park, and then you can choose the colors of the birds you've seen, and then it it filters um, down to the species to just match um, what what uh, you know which colors you've seen and, and that type of thing. Now, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, is most of these pictures you're going to take with your phone, and that's what most of us have with us nowadays. But if I wanted to go out with a telephoto lens on a digital camera and really get some animal or bird shots, I can take those digital pictures and load them into the app on my camera to get help too. Is that right? Yeah, you can um, log on to iNaturalist.org on your computer and um, and do you know, just do it very similarly as, as you would on your phone. So um, there is that option for, for folks that uh, would rather use um, cameras. And that's what I do uh, personally is I, I use a, a nicer camera to um, 
to take my observations. Now, we've got all this help and people identify, and I think people need to understand, too, as far as the state's economy and, uh, you know, hunting and fishing have a huge impact, but wildlife watching itself has a huge impact equal to or more than each of those individually. So maintaining the habitat and all the things Parks and Wildlife does isn't just for the hunter and the fisherman. It's for all of us. But even myself, being a fisherman and a hunter, I probably spend as much time outdoors observing and just enjoying as I do hunting. And it's really neat. Now, do you find more people are looking for plants or animals or is it a combination or how, what do you see there? Yeah, you know, it's a pretty good um, combination and really we're looking for anything that's living. So um, our, our new users tend to collect more um, large mammals, uh, flowers, butterflies, other plants, um, and folks that, you know, are, are maybe a little more advanced with it, they're, they're um, out there collecting birds, uh, some small mammals, and, or uh, amphibians and reptiles. Now, the app is free, is that right? Yeah, the app is free. And there's no subscription, so it's just a something, it's just a community adventure. In fact, I believe there's a couple, there's an event coming up you want to tell us about. Yeah, and so um, next weekend, uh, Parks and Wildlife and Nature Conservancy are partnering with iNaturalist.org to host uh, the Denver metro area as uh, a participant in, in this uh, City Nature Challenge. And so this is a, a, a global effort to see who can document the most species over the course of the weekend. Um, and it starts uh, on Friday, April 27th and goes until Monday, April 30th. Um, and yeah, so we've got um, a 10 county uh, metro area that, that is uh, around Denver, and then Boulder is, uh, is coordinating a, a separate project in, in, in their city and county. And now you'll be competing with cities all over the world, really, to see who can document the most species, right? Yeah, it's a pretty pretty neat thing. There's a uh, you know, it started um in 2016 and it was just between San Francisco and Los Angeles. Um last year in 2017, there were 16 cities uh nationwide that participated and then this year we're expecting over 60 cities uh around the globe. And so Denver um and Boulder will be competing with uh, you know, cities like Tokyo and Mumbai, India and uh London, England. Now, you get the app, you just go to look for iNaturalist either on Apple or Google, and you said it's also available on the computer. Why don't you, any last comments or any other type of contact or information sources you want to give us? Yeah, I mean, uh, if, if folks want more information, um, they can jump on Parks and Wildlife's website and search on City Nature Challenge. Um, I did want to say, too, that for, you know, it, really we're looking for anybody to, to go just outside and, and uh observe living things. So um, you can do that out your back door, but for folks that are looking for, uh, you know, a more structured way to participate, we're hosting bio blitzes at Bar Lake State Park and Chatfield State Park um, from 9 a.m. to 3 on Saturday, uh, April 28th. So that, come on out and um, yeah, we'd love to, love to see as many folks as we can out there to help us uh, participate well in this uh, City Nature Challenge. Well, and it gives you valuable information, doesn't it, cataloging? There may be species that show up that you didn't know were in an area or that are much more prevalent than you thought. Yeah, and that's uh, kind of what we've we've been seeing um, so far. We've, we've been using iNaturalist and kind of promoting it um, for a couple of years now, and yeah, we've had some really neat results.
All right. Matt, thank you so much. Interesting program. I'm going to put it on my phone and give it a shot. Right on. Thank you, Terry. You bet. That's Matt Schultz from Parks and Wildlife. Let's go right back to the phones. And I imagine he's got one of his trailers hooked up and he's got the app loaded to his camera now so that he can go somewhere and, and help Denver become the city that got, has the most animals and plants. Is that right, Ray? Well, I'm trying, Terry, but we're a little lonely over here today. It's a bit quiet this morning out in the snow over here. Yeah. Do you think that maybe it has something to do with the fact that it's icky? It could be. It could be. It's a good day not to do anything, I think, but oh well. But you know what happens? We don't think about, you know, and I can tell you this happens with ice fishing. If it's 70 degrees down here, it doesn't matter if there's two feet of ice up in the mountains. Nobody thinks about it. It's just like the postcard you send or the picture you send your friends when you're camping. Now, once we get places... We're determined to go outdoors, and Pretty a little inc- happy then, and right. yeah, little inclement weather doesn't keep us from enjoying it. But in our mind, we're always picturing that, picturing that postcard chamber of commerce, weather, and all that type of thing. But with today's with today's campers, like you guys sell at Adventure Camper, it's not hard to stay comfortable and still no, go outside and stay warm and dry. And you've got a nice, comfortable couch to sit on and enjoy a cold one or whatever. And, and uh, so, yeah, you can survive something like this with uh, style, as it were. No, you're absolutely right. And this is a great time to look because, like you said, it's not busy. So now's the time when you can come in and not have to, and you can have, get a lot of personal attention. Uh, yeah, that's true. And we've got great sales going right now. Um, all of our top-of-the-line Sonoma trailers, we've got $1,500 off, uh, an additional $1,500 off. So a great buy on any of the larger, bigger campers. Um, we just got in a beautiful new unit, 27-footer from Solaire. Uh, this week that's really gorgeous with a super slide out and the side mount entertainment center. Um, And we've got lots of good um, uh, deals on Viking off-road campers and couples coaches right now. So yeah, lots of stuff to choose from. All right, we're going to let you go. But before we do, we want to remind people to mark their calendar for May 12th, don't we? Yes, sir. Uh, It's our open house. We'll have some great uh, sales show specials for that day, especially. And We've got a good lineup with Brad Peterson and Colorado State Parks and Hot Quest all coming out to put on various seminars and clinics. Should be fun. All right. How do they find you, Ray? Uh, on the web at adventurecamper.com, and physically, we're near Arapahoe Road and Jordan Road down in southeast metro Denver. All right, my friends, stay warm, and Thanks, hopeful Terry. people come visit you. Thanks, sir. See you. All right. Ray from Adventure Campers. Terry Wisham Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Company's Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. I want to go right to the phones because we're running a minute or two behind, and I want to make sure I spend plenty of time here as Carrie Tucker, an aquatic biologist for Parks and Wildlife down in Pueblo, joins us. Good morning, Carrie. Good morning. How are you? It's beautiful. I'm doing great. It's snowing, and it's we're getting water, but we need the water, and it's going to get really nice in just a few days. What is it like down in Pueblo? Um, it's a bit overcast, and we had some rain earlier this morning, but it's starting to warm up. Yeah, you guys tend to be a little warmer than us, and the fishing turns on a little quicker, although Pueblo's a big body of water. It can take a while to warm up, but 
You know, I was going to tease you when you come on and say, why are we having an aquatic biologist from Pueblo? Because there's no fish in that lake anyway, because I know I can't catch them. But, <laughs> exactly. I hear it all the time. I know. But seriously, um, I've done several television shows down there. It's one of my favorite fisheries. It may be the premier warm water fishery in the state. And certainly there's some other lakes. John Martin will come up and be good for a while. We'll see Boyd. There's other lakes that will rise to that level at times. But Pueblo is probably the most consistent and uh, longest uh, tenured premier warm water fishery in the state. I really believe that. Yeah, I agree. And there's such a variety of fish that you can catch in that lake that there's something to fish for year round. Now let's talk a little bit, not only about what's in Pueblo, but let's talk about the status of the lake. The first thing everybody wants to know are water levels. First of all, where are they and how does that look like it might affect the fishing? Um, The lake is very high. It's probably about... 4,800 acre feet, which is um, about seven feet lower than what it normally is at its highest level. Um, But all the brush is flooded and it's starting to come down with irrigation season ramping up, but the lake is still very, very high, lots of water to explore. And that high water, uh, and when it first comes up especially, especially since it's been that way for two or three years, it tends to have some of the species really gives them a jump start in their spawn and all that. And we'll get to that as we cover the individual species also spreads the fish out and it can make them more difficult to find, but there's a lot of things going on in Pueblo. You've got good water, you've got good habitat, you've got great bait fish and all those tend to maintain it as a great fishery. And there's, you said, there's a number of species. Let's start with, I think the number one draw to Pueblo and it's close with the bass, but number one, one is probably the walleye, don't you think? I would agree. There's so many walleye in that lake. Um, there's a lot of good quality fish that that's one of the major draws to the reservoir. I think you can't catch one over like 16 inches, though. It's impossible, right? <laughs> nope. I hear the fish don't get any bigger than 17 and a half. No, but seriously, tell people the kind of fish when you are you were doing the spawn, and we'll give the results of that in a minute, but tell people the kind of fish you saw in the nets when you were gathering eggs for the spawn. This year we did our walleye spawn over the course of 21 days, and um, there were maybe half a dozen fish out of the nearly 600 fish we spawned that were less than 18 inches, and the largest female we saw was 31 and a half inches. And there are big fish. Now, there's a couple things to go on, and being, since I'm supposed to be the professional fisherman, I'll lend my expertise to it. Um Spring during the spawn, the big females tend to be located where those aggressive males are. And then in the fall, again, when they go on a feeding binge, you can find them a lot of times because the shad are schooled up. But during the rest of the year, um, especially on a lake like Pueblo that has such uh, abundant forage, those big females, the fish you're catching, those 16, 17, then they are 18 and 19, are all aggressive males. And the 18, 19 get called out pretty fast. So you can have fun on a 50-fish day catching those 17-inch males, but the odds are that the next fish isn't going to be the big one, is it? Exactly, yeah. Those big girls like to go deep in the summer um, and only come up probably at night or um, early in the morning since they're night predators with those large eyes. Um, So anglers will really have to work hard for those larger fish as the water heats up. You're exactly right. You either have to commit yourself they're going to go have fun and catch a bunch of fish or commit 
to the fact that you're going to have to fish differently and work hard and target those big fish, except in the spring, which we probably still have some of that going on, and then again in the fall. But the walleye population down there is healthy. It's good. In fact, this is a good time to say how many eggs did, did you guys gather in the walleye spawn and how did it work out? We collected approximately 41 million eggs out of Pueblo Reservoir, and statewide we collected about 116 million eggs from um, Aurora, Chapville, Cherry Creek, and Pueblo combined. Now, I know you wanted over 130 million, but and people think, oh, you didn't get your quota, but you actually stopped because you were getting such a good hatch rate. Is that right? Exactly. The hatcheries um, had such good hatch rates this year that they decided we didn't need to keep going until we reached our 130 million eggs. That's awesome. Let's talk about some of the other fish in Pueblo. I think the next biggest draw down there probably is the bass. And it's a lake that has a a variety of bass species, doesn't it? It does. Um, It's one of the premier bass lakes in the nation. And we have um, all three species, large, small, and uh, spotted bass in the lake. Now, the smallmouth seem to be able to maintain with the up and down water levels. And the spots are kind of a bonus fish. They're not in a, a huge population, but you will catch them. But the largemouth seem to fluctuate a little bit with water levels. I would think the largemouth population is almost at a peak right now. I would agree. The last three years, we've had really high water levels. So all of the brush in the west end and all the backs of the coves has been flooded. Um, and that provides really good rearing habitat for young fish, not only bass, but also crappie as well. You know, I'm glad you. I'm glad, easy for me to say. I'm glad you brought up crappies because you were telling me earlier this week that the crappie have really rebounded down there. They have. Um, we're starting to see phenomenal numbers of crappie and good quality crappie. I got reports last year of several um, 14 to 16 inch crappie getting caught pretty regularly in the lake. Now, I would think that we're getting right close to where the crappie fishing should take off as they move in to spawn in that brush. Yes, I got reports that several anglers have been catching crappie for about a week or two, and I anticipate it continuing to improve and peak um, over the next three weeks to a month. So you're telling me this would be a good time. We didn't talk. Is there any parts of the lake that you recommend that there seems to be some concentrations of walleyes? Um, A lot of people were concentrating on the west end of the reservoir, um, kind of towards the river area a little bit west of Turkey Creek. And then I saw a lot of anglers hanging out in Turkey Creek and Mid Lake Island and the ba- all towards the west end. And the bass, I assume you're seeing those kind of starting to move towards the coves as they get into their pre-spawn. Is that what you're seeing? Exactly, yeah. Now, there's some other species that don't get as much attention, and those are the catfish. Pueblo is a premier catfish. Tell people the size and types of catfish that have come out of Pueblo Reservoir. In Pueblo, we have channel catfish, flathead catfish, and blue catfish. Um, The state record blue catfish was caught in Pueblo Reservoir in 2016. It was 24 and a half pounds and 35 inches. And the new state record flathead catfish was caught last year out of Pueblo. It was a little over 38 inches and weighed 30 and a half pounds. And you've got sizable channels in there too. And then some of these end up down in the river. I caught a channel catfish in the river below that was almost 20 pounds. I had to estimate it because I didn't want to take it home, but I measured it and I came up with it. And being a fisherman, it might have been 18, but I'm calling it 20. <laughs> but it was a nice yeah. sized fish no matter what. But those flats and blues can really get large, especially with the forage base Pueblo has, I would think. 
Exactly. It's like you said, a very overlooked part of the fishery in Pueblo Reservoir. There are a lot of really large catfish. We caught a couple during gill netting, and um, I estimate one of them to be close to 30 pounds. Any tips on where people might look for the catfish? A lot of people like to fish south fishing um, on the south side of the dam near the um, visitor center, and also sailboard is a good place where people like to fish for catfish at night. Okay, well, we're really over on time, but I want to touch on two species real quick, and that Pueblo used to be a haven for wipers. What's going on with that now? I've During my regular sampling, I've caught several large 24 to 27-inch wiper, and um, we're starting to see a really rebound in the population of a lot of um, 12 to 15-inch wipers, so they're starting to recruit back into the population. And you've been continually stocking, is that right? Yes, there's only one year where we missed in the last 18 years of stocking wipers. So it's still a great, great game fish there. And then the final one is overlooked because they go deep in the summer, but boy, through the winter and spring and fall, you raise some big rainbow trout there. We do. During this walleye spawn in March, we catch regularly 20 to 25 inch rainbows um, near the dam. And they are beautiful, beautiful, healthy fish. Um, Carrie, we're out of time. I wish I could spend more time because I'd like to get in more details. We might have to get you back on. But thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Terry. You bet. Terry from Pueblo Reservoir. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Company Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And joining us on the phone now, we're reaching back into the, you know, we're doing 20 years of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors Trivia for our 20 years on the air. And we had a trivia question earlier this year about who was my first co-host on the radio. And I think he's also the first one to have a father-daughter both appear on my radio show. Joining us formerly with Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and he's works for several other outdoor organizations, Robin Knox. Good morning, Robin. Good morning, Terry, and uh, congratulations on 20 years and the fact that we're both still alive and kicking and fishing. Yeah, that's great. You know, I want to get into a few of those things, but, you know, one of the things uh, about our program, but one of the things that um, when you came on board with me when we started, and we'll talk about that in a second, was you were really passionate about creating diverse fishing opportunities in Colorado when you work for fisheries at Parks and Wildlife. I bet the report from Pueblo Reservoir really hit home with you. Oh, it did. Uh, I was listening to that, and, you know, Pueblo is one of my favorite places to fish. And, well, you know, the cast-up, we bought, brought in some really good warm-water fishery biologists back in the early 80s, and, and uh, we worked really hard to... Uh, put together some quality warm water fishing to, uh, you know, sort of expand the uh, opportunities for Coloradans uh, more than just trout fishing, which, you know, still is the most popular kind of fish. But, you know, that being said, when you and I started, I know, you know, we, we, we started, it was 1998, and we started in that little studio on Monaco. It was like a closet, wasn't it? Remember that? Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, it was uh, really pretty small. Yeah, you, it was a tiny, tiny little thing. And if my memory serves me right, you and I were reminiscing. We didn't start for two hours on Saturday. They gave us an hour on Sunday and didn't throw us much of a lifeline. Right? No, we. Uh, you're right, Terry. It was. Uh, 
now we're in the beginning, and but gradually it, it grew, and I think, uh, you know, I have to hand it to the radio stations because they sort of recognize that, uh, oh, wait, outdoor sports is really big in Colorado, and, and we both know how popular fishing is. Over 700,000, 800,000 anglers uh, get licenses in Colorado every year. No, I think, you know, and I think they stuck with you and I, too, that I think, you know, without patting ourselves on the back, between us, because of our history in the industry, we had a lot of outdoor fishing knowledge to share, and I had been doing television for a while. In fact, you had appeared on one of my television shows, or a couple, and but I think that um, they had to stick with us, too, while we developed a, 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 a listenable product. <laughs> right, and, uh, you know, what at that same period of time, as we, you know, we were developing the different programs we have here in Colorado: the State Record Fish Program, the Master Angler Program, and uh, you know, just tried really hard to improve the knowledge base of of Colorado uh, sportsmen about what great fishing opportunities we did have. Well, and I, I want to give some uh, uh, thanks to you too because you involved me in a lot of. Uh, programs and committees to help be involved, to put input and help shape some of Colorado's fishing. And I can remember you and I discussing those programs on the air over the years, even when you moved on and left Parks and Wildlife. I mean, you went to some other things. And I think right now you're a the local representative for IGFA. Is that right? Yes, uh, I, I do that. And I'm also uh, with the Colorado Wildlife Federation, which is always working to uh, uh, down at the legislator, legislature to make sure that uh, good laws get passed that support hunting and fishing here in Colorado. And also I work with some uh, landowner associations. Now you've stayed involved even after you retired. One of these days they're going to have to wheel us out or we're going to ride off into the sunset, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, it's sort of hard to give up what you love to do. And, uh, well, uh, but, and I, I think that was one of the things that made us made this program stay successful. I think there was two things that really stood out and made this a good program for us, for you, and you and I starting. One was we both had such a passion for the outdoors. It was extremely, extremely important to us, not only as our livelihood, but it was what we loved to do. And the other thing is I think we made the programs, they weren't about Terry Wickstrom, they weren't about Robin Knox. The programs were about the fishing and the hunting and the outdoors and what you could do in Colorado and aimed at getting, giving people information to get them out there. Yes, that's right. You know, I think I have to agree with you, Terry, that, uh, you know, our passion had uh, a lot to do with our enjoyment of what, what we were doing. And I know you still enjoy being on the radio and talking to people. And when I got to co-host for you a couple of times, it was such a kick. It was really a lot of fun to do it. And, uh, I think, you know, and all the people in, uh, Parks and Wildlife and, and the other agencies that work to support good fishing in Colorado. I, I think, you know, we, you have always supported them, and, and by having them on the, the radio show continually for 20 years, uh, I think your audience has come to expect getting good information and, uh, and hearing about what uh, we have to say about Colorado's resources. Well, and it's we try to make it timely. You know, I write for the Denver Post. I've written for a number of magazines. I did television for 22 seasons. But nothing is as timely as the information we give out on this radio show because a lot of it we're updating and talking to the guests that are coming on the day before. 
And a lot of them are even on the water when they call. So it's, and you know, and it's still a medium that's survived. Robin, we've got to go, but I want to thank you for helping me to launch what has been 20 years of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on the radio, and for you and your daughter both being part of the show at times. Well, thank you, Terry. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to say thank you for letting us get all that information we had about fishing in Colorado out there to the public. It's been great, great fun. All right. Thanks, Robin. Thank you, Terry. You bet. That's Robin Knox. Now, before we um, go to a break here, and then, of course, we'll be joined by Nate Zielinski, as you know, to celebrate that we've been on the air for 20 years, Honey Smoked Fish Company has stepped up, and they're donating— uh, and I, we're gonna, not going to give these out every week, but what they're giving is a gift card that's got about a $99 value. What it does, it's going to take this great-tasting, incredible superfood and have it delivered right to your doorstep if you get the trivia question right. Now, the questions for our trivia come from our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. It's going to be very difficult unless you've listened for 20 years and memorized to, to answer these questions without following or liking Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. In fact, we're going to throw a question out there right now. Karen posted a tidbit of Terry Wickstrom's 20 years of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors trivia on our Facebook page. The question we're going to ask is that uh, there's been a number of prominent sports figures on the show over those 20 years. Karen listed three of those on our Facebook page. The first person to call, 303-713-1043, and give us two of those three people wins that $99 gift package from Honey Smoked Salmon. So two of the three prominent sports figures listed on the Facebook page, call 303-713-1043. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by... Honey Smoked Fish Company, Smoked Salmon, the secret is in the fire.